0: Support for this podcast comes from ClickIQ. ClickIQ is an automated job advertising platform that uses the latest AI and programmatic technology to manage, track and optimise the performance of your recruitment advertising in real time. Spend is focused, where it's needed the most, to reach both active and passive job seekers across Indeed, Google, Facebook and an extensive network of job boards. To find out more about ClickIQ, please visit www.clickiq.co.uk. That's www.clickiq.co.uk.
1: There's been more of scientific discovery, more of technical advancement and material progress in your lifetime and mine, than in all the ages of history.
0: Hi, everyone, this is Matt Alder. Welcome to episode 202 of the Recruiting Future podcast. One of the biggest things I've learned during my career is the importance of influence. Driving change, promoting technology adoption, or establishing new ways of working are a challenge, whichever organization you work for. So, what can talent acquisition leaders be doing to develop their presence and be more influential? My guest this week is an expert in this area. Harrison Monarth is a New York Times bestselling author and leading executive coach with a client list of Fortune 500 CEOs, startup entrepreneurs, and members of Congress. Enjoy the interview. Hi, Harrison, and welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you, Matt. Uh, Thanks for having me.
0: An absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Could you just introduce yourself and tell everyone what you do? Uh,
1: I'm an executive coach. Uh, I'm based here in New York City. I'm originally from Germany. And uh, over the past 15 years, I've worked as an executive coach with over 60 Fortune 500 CEOs and thousands of senior leaders globally uh, in workshops and one-on-one uh, sessions, companies like Deloitte, GE, uh, P&G, Standard & Poor's, and so on. Um, And so over the years, I've gained a lot of insight into the specific skills and behaviors that make these leaders, these managers, senior executives, more effective influencers by way of uh, building their executive presence, and so um, happy to share some of that with you today in your podcast.
0: Absolutely, and I, I suppose just to dig into that straight away, what's your what's your sort of philosophy um, behind coaching? You know, wh- why why do people need it? What is it that you're helping them to helping them to achieve?
1: My philosophy for coaching is I don't really fix fix people uh, that have major problems because it's usually the organizations that come to us. You know, they have leaders that they want to invest in. They have leaders that may that have a need for coaching because maybe they're getting into the next level or they're stepping into a new role that they're unfamiliar with and they want to help them you know, accelerate the learning. Or these might be leaders that need to acquire some new behaviors that would help them in a in a new role. These might be leaders that are that need to become more inclusive and make sure that they include everyone on the team and that they can communicate. On various levels, so there could be a, a number of reasons uh, why companies come to us. And then, of course, you know, coaching—it it's not consulting. So, in an ideal scenario, coaching is really helping people come to their own conclusions, find their own answers, um, and 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 inspire them to grow and to develop. And a coach doesn't really tell anyone what to develop, right? These these things have to come—they have to come from the client. Or from the organization. I, typically, it's actually a combination that comes from the client and the organization because they should be aligned on what what needs to change or what behaviors need to need to be acquired and, and learned. And so, you know, coaching really facilitates that whole process. You know, helping people with self-awareness, pa- helping people with uh, uh, you know, with feedback. So we help people understand what their reputation is, what people are currently saying. And uh, then use that to identify what are some of the development areas and then helping them with a goal setting uh, strategy and and action planning on really acquiring these behaviors, developing new behaviors or stopping certain behaviors that might uh, might be seen as toxic or might might actually, you know, thwart any any efforts to influence. And uh, yeah, and then help in the process and be cheerleader, thought you know, thought partner, uh, strategist, um, you know, talk through issues, sounding board. So good coach does all of those things.
0: Now, one of a number of best-selling books that you've written is called Executive Presence. What's Executive Presence, and why is it important?
1: So my new book, uh, in fact, the second edition of Executive Presence, actually just came out uh, on Friday. So I'm very happy to. Uh, Uh, to talk about that. And, uh, you know, executive presence, I mean, it's, it's fundamentally about influence, right? So you, you hear a lot about it out there. People are saying it's about the way you look or it's about the way you speak and the way you present yourself. But executive presence is fundamentally about, about influence, uh, with, with other people and about having a positive impact. My own appreciation of what constitutes executive presence uh, was formed over over the last decade and a half in in several ways So that's you know, years of conversations with senior leaders about what executive presence looks like and the qualities that they need to see in emerging leaders um, Close observation of respected leaders who bring out the best in other people as well as those who don't research in the social uh, Sciences and leadership literature and then of course also seeing the failures of people that had talent and cognitive ability, but then nonetheless derailed or faltered because they were either unwilling or unable to accept, listen to feedback and accept feedback and then adapt their behavior. So, you know, executive presence is, is a mosaic. There are so many components to it, um, like uh, certainly appearance, certainly communication skill, engagement skill, but also the ability to hold people accountable uh, or having difficult, mastering difficult conversations, let's say. Um, make being decisive, making decisions, having interpersonal integrity, uh, meaning you, you you show people that you care and you're able to uh, adapt your status to the you know, person you're speaking to, whether they're of a higher status or a lower status. So there are lots of different components that give the, give the perception of executive presence. And I say perception because executive presence is not something that you decide you have or that you say you have. It's something that other people say you have. So that's very important to, to to keep in mind. It's you know executive presence is based on other other people's perceptions,
0: and very much this is something that everyone can develop, not necessarily people who are already in a, a senior leadership position.
1: Oh, absolutely! You can have yes, absolutely. You can have executive presence, uh, and it's a, it's a matter of understanding first of all where you start, where you are, and uh, again listening to feedback, listening actively, soliciting feedback. So you know if you if you feel very confident and very comfortable uh, presenting your ideas to peers, let's say, or to direct reports, but you then get very nervous if you're presenting your ideas to senior level management or to clients. Well, so you, you may have executive presence with your peers, but then it disappears when you're speaking to higher ranking uh, uh, leaders or clients. Well, so that's a clue, right? That you need to need to work on those areas. But anyone, once you understand what's missing or what you need to develop, Absolutely, these are skills and behaviors that really anyone can learn.
0: Now, you, you've sort of touched on this a, a little bit already, but I'm I'm kind of interested in sort of perhaps diving a bit deeper into it. How how can people d- develop these skills if they've you know if they've kind of come to the realization that they don't have, um, you know that that kind of sense of presence that they that that they need to get things done with their job? What can they
1: do to develop it? So again, Matt, it goes back to what have they identified that they need to develop? And so if it is the ability to manage your emotions in a in a high-stress situation, like for instance, presenting to a board or presenting to important clients, then it's, so you work on your emotion regulation uh, ability. And there are certain techniques that you can, uh, you can develop here, uh, or you can use here. Everything from labeling the emotion, which neuroscience research has shown actually Lowers the heat in your in your limbic system, so it actually allows you to access your your, uh, your prefrontal cortex, your executive functioning, and think more clearly. Uh, reframing a situation uh, so that uh, it doesn't seem as threatening. Uh, there's there are a number of emotion regulation strategies you can practice over time and. Which then allow you to tap into those in the moment when you're when you're stressed, you know, and then other things, uh, holding people, holding people accountable. There are lots of leaders that have have difficulty holding people accountable, uh, where you know they're not getting the results they need, and so they just sort of kind of get by, and sometimes they get them, sometimes they don't, and they have the same players on their team that you know, continuously do not deliver results. Well. It may be in the communication. It may be that the leader has not established uh, the expectations or has not made clear what the expectations are It may be that the leader is not giving enough feedback uh, It may be that a clear timeline wasn't established. It may be that the leader wasn't clear does the person even have the uh, the Skills or the capability or the resources to to deliver on what is expected, right? Well, so those are absolutely things once you're aware of them uh and you can learn these things. You can make sure that you hit on all these points, and then you can say, okay, um, you know, we checked all the checked all the boxes. So the person really should be able to deliver. We have regular check-ins, so I can be sure that I won't be surprised a few months down the road that things weren't done. Uh, so these are all things. It really just kind of depends, though, what is what is it that you need to work on? And again, you get that by getting feedback by getting feedback from uh, you know, whether it's your boss, your peers, your direct reports, in organizations, as you know, 360 feedback uh, is very popular. And, and if that's something that you can utilize, not everybody gets it. But uh, if you can get 360 feedback, that's great, because it gives you a snapshot of how you are seen by people right now you know what's working and and what you might need to work on
0: obviously this is going to be very much based on individuals and situation but i know that uh you know certainly in our industry that one of the one of the things that, that that's incredibly important is influence um do you have sort of any sort of specific um tips around improving influence or achieving buy-in within within organizations
1: yeah and again, depending on what the situation is, but uh, some of the general guidelines for getting buy-in is is having individual conversations. So rather than surprising people in a meeting with your ideas or with your proposals, uh, sort of you know do some prep work and 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 talk to people beforehand to see what their concerns might might be, what might be reservations about your ideas, uh, what are some misunderstandings you need to clear up. So individual conversations with people to to prepare them. Uh, is one. Hearing people, basically giving people a voice, not necessarily a vote, but a voice, uh, so they can actually share how they feel about uh, your ideas. And that's sometimes all that's needed to actually get them on board. Um, And uh, really being clear on why people might resist. So that could could be very different depending on who you're speaking to, you know, each person, you know, change is a difficult thing, right? For a lot of people. And so, but people typically resist for a specific reason. Uh, Maybe they are loyal to other stakeholders that, um, you know, that don't agree with you, or maybe there's a conflicting, uh, conflicting priority. Maybe they don't have the resources. They would like to agree with you, but they don't have the resources and maybe they haven't articulated that. So, uh, getting buy-in, lots of conversations beforehand, being very clear about why, uh resistance exists and then also showing the benefit of course of 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 joining you uh in your uh, on your journey and and buying into your idea right the worst thing you can do is just sort of browbeating people into compliance because then they you know they might go along simply because they have to but they're certainly not going to give you their best effort or their best ideas and and support you along the way
0: so uh, i would imagine that um a a lot of uh, success here is about developing confidence how do you advise people to manage the line between confidence and arrogance
1: yes it's a good question in fact i addressed that in my in my book in a chapter called the dark side of executive presence because you know, confidence is certainly an executive presence strength you know if you're confident people certainly will uh, you will give people the impression that you have that executive presence it it often morphs into arrogance when people stop monitoring themselves, when they feel, when they feel that, you know, they know it all or they've accomplished a lot and, or they don't take other people's ideas very seriously because they just, they trust in themselves, but in no one else. And, uh, so it's very important again that you have self awareness, that you actually notice when you seem to be turning people down or swatting people away and not listening to other people's ideas and feedback. And so, that fine line, again, with self-awareness, you're rec- you will recognize when you start doing these things, right? And um, again, so being, being fully aware of how you're communicating with people, are you listening to feedback, are you hearing their perspectives, and, uh, and, and, and having some humility and realizing that you can't know it all, you don't know it all and uh you can't go it alone either you know because if you're if you're arrogant you know people might people might respect you but they won't necessarily support you and right? you may have status but you won't necessarily have much social support when you have arrogance and so that's definitely something to watch out for
0: so final question um where can people find you and where can they find the new book
1: uh, uh thanks yeah the book is uh, available on Amazon now uh certainly in bookstores Barnes Noble and Noble and and other booksellers and then uh, My website is gurumaker.com. So it's G U R U M A K E R.com. So we have a team of executive coaches and uh, leadership uh, development professionals. And uh, yeah, we'd love to, to engage with people.
0: Harrison, thank you very much for talking to me. Thank you, Matt. I appreciate it. My thanks to Harrison Monarth. You can subscribe to this podcast in Apple Podcasts or via your podcasting app of choice. The show also has its own dedicated app, which you can find by searching for Recruiting Future in your app store. If you're a Spotify or Pandora user, you can also find the show there. You can find all the past episodes at www.rfpodcast.com. On that site, you can subscribe to the mailing list and find out more about working with me. Thanks very much for listening. I'll be back next week, and I hope you'll join me.
1: This is my show.